Welcome to another episode of Disrupt. I'm Bailey Bryant with Home Healthcare News. Before we jump into my conversation with Maryland-based Family and Nursing Care CEO Neil Kirspin, I want to give a shout out to our podcast sponsor, Home Care Home Base whose powerful cloud-based home health software streamlines virtually every aspect of your business. Spend less time on paperwork and more time delivering quality care to your patients. Visit hchb.com for more information. Our guest today is a home care lifer, Neil Kirspin. His mother, Sandy, started the company that he's now CEO of when he was just a kid. Now, Family and Nursing Care is one of the largest home care agencies in the Washington, D.C. area. It employs about 1,200 caregivers who serve more than 600 clients per day. After 50 years of operating out of one location, Kirspin is now eyeing expansion. Last year, the company signed a lease on its second location in the county next door and has plans to add new locations annually in the years to come. I recently sat down with Kirspin, and he told me caregivers and quality make it all possible. Welcome to the podcast, Neil. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks so much for being on today. Now, I want to get started by delving into your background because I think it's really interesting. Unlike a lot of people who come to home care by way of other industries, you've really been with family and nursing care from the start since your mom started the company when you were a kid. Now, what was it like growing up in this industry? Well, she actually started the company before I was a kid. So I have two older sisters, and then I have then family nursing care came along, and then I was born. So <laughs> often she'll say I'm her fourth child, not her third child. So, You're a uh, lifer. I truly am. So growing up in the company, I mean, the funny thing is I don't. I was one of the kids, kind of kids that sort of played outside with his friends and didn't. I didn't really know what my mom did. I knew, but I didn't know. I knew it had something with older people needing help and people giving you know, caregivers helping them. Like that's the extent of what I knew. And then, you know, I go off to college and a few years outside of college, my mother asked me if I would like to one day in the future run family nursing care. I said, wow, you know, sort of out of left field. Like where did this come from? And then you know, we agreed that instead of making a life commitment, why don't we try it for a year and we'll see how it goes and then we'll talk. And 23 years later, we haven't talked yet. <laughs> we talk we talk all the time, but you know what I mean? We're, obviously, I'm still at the company and I love what I do. I remember the last time we spoke, you told me stories about how you'd be at the mall with your mother and she'd get a call from a caregiver and have to go find a pay phone. Tell me about something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Wow. Yes. Back then, it was, well, first of all, there was no cell phones. And the pay phones, and she had rolls and rolls of dimes. And when she got a call from the answering service, she'd excuse me and give me coloring books or something to read wherever we were out and about. And I kind of knew, okay, is mom going to take two minutes or 20 minutes or even longer? Because you just never know in our world what what the call may have come may, may have been about that she had to address, but those are fond memories now that I look back. But yeah, she was creative of her to make sure I had things to do while mom was taking care of running the business. I'm sure now you can relate to those struggles being the head of the business yourself. Was that always the plan, taking over the family business? Actually, it was not. So I worked for Pepsi for a few years outside of college and Interestingly, my mother was asking for, you know, how's it going at work? And then I got promoted and she was pleased to see that. And she was 
asking for my reviews. I'm like, wow, what's this all about? So anyhow, little did I know that she, you know, a few years later has asked me to come join the family business. And at the time, I, you know, candidly speaking, I didn't know a lot about elder care and the caregiving experience. And we sort of agreed, well, let's let's try it for a year and we'll see how it goes. And here I am 23 years later and going strong. That's awesome. I think you're in a really unique spot in that you've been really able to watch the industry change over the years. What do you make of the boom we're seeing right now within home care overall and how healthcare is really evolving and moving toward community-based care? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I'm assuming most of the caller or most listeners know that that Medicare doesn't really cover ADLs, activities of daily living, bathing, dressing, feeding, meal prep. I mean, eating, toileting. And so I think the industry, well, everyone knows this, the country, baby boomers, they're going to get older. People are are already living much longer in their 80s and 90s. And so uh, just the whole industry, not just private duty home care, but, you know, the boom of senior living communities across the country, and it's necessary. So the, the key is how do we work collaboratively with each other and in, in our world, we've developed some really strategic partnerships in several of the continuing care retirement communities that maybe at one point they wanted to do, or they attempted to do, I should say, the, the home care themselves and realized, well, maybe there's a little more to this than we had thought. And so we've become a partner in many of their own communities where we specialize in what we do, and they know that, and that's what we've been doing for all these years, and they can focus in on the other areas of running their their senior living community. So that's one part of the answer. And the other part, I just think as an industry, I know we've been around a long, long time, but private duty home care is, it's growing up, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's the sophisticated industry that you can really, there's just a lot of areas where the industry itself still needs to grow up. And one of the nice things, it just comes by from more companies getting into this space, you know, competition is a good thing. Because it forces each other to to raise the bar, so to speak, on on the level and the quality of care that they're going to be providing. Yeah, you mentioned there are several ways you'd like to see the industry grow up. Can you give any examples? Ways to see it grow up. So, well, I guess I'm talking about in my space with in the private care world. It just so I have a soft spot, perhaps, for the caregivers, but I I think that you know just really, really retaining and keeping and making sure your caregivers are well cared for, well treated, and by having great caregivers, then at least in the private duty home care world, then that's going to lead to just that alone is going to grow up, <laughs> help the industry grow up because there's just a lot of attrition and a lot of turnover and just it's not, things are not as tight as they, they really need to be. I know in the past you told me that family and nursing care is yearly caregiver turnover rate is about 14%. Now that's a really impressive figure and shows how much you do care about caregivers because the industry-wide turnover rate hovers just above 65%. I'm curious, what does the company do to bolster its recruiting efforts and retention efforts to make that possible? I know some home care companies have even been targeting new hiring pools, such as retirees, for example. I'm curious what the secret sauce is for you guys. Well, sort of our sweet spot, but I I think we fortunately have earned a reputation of being a go-to company on the caregiver side. 
And as a result of that, we've earned a reputation amongst healthcare professionals in our area that refer to us because they will say to us, how do you get and how do you keep your caregivers? They're extraordinary. So the first thing is we're, we have a, I mean, every, this is what makes it tricky. Everybody thinks they have a very rigorous hiring process and, and we have the best caregivers. And all that. But I think the proof is in the pudding. And, and we, we bring on past year, 2018, out of 100 caregivers that expressed interest in working with us, only 6% were ultimately hired at the company. And so that alone is just shows the amount of time and effort and upfront work that we're willing to put in to making sure that the most important part of our business is having outstanding caregivers. And then how, how do we get them to come to us and why would they stay? Well, uh, well, first of all, I think we proudly pay them more than what the market rate is. So money is not the not the only thing, but it's it's a factor. And treating them, you know, our org chart, if you will, starts with the caregivers in the center, and then there's concentric circles outside of the crux of what and who we are is is the quality and the, of our caregivers. So our internal day-to-day operations is how will our caregiver react to X? How will this caregiver react to Y? Like how are they going to feel about what we do? So we have like meet and greets. Every couple of weeks, we have a, a number of caregivers that will come in and we'll ask them, I mean, broadly speaking, what can we do to make your experience with us better? But then just specifically, if we hear any themes, we then take those themes and then we, we work you know, to improve that. We look for compliments and we get a lot of them. So we have a sizable budget that gives beyond their hourly rate of pay. Just whenever they get compliments, we reward them with whether it's gift cards or gifts or whatever it may be, but just kind of manage them with a, a carrot, not with a stick, so to speak. We keep them informed. We have monthly caregiver newsletters. Um, a lot of times they're the ones, we have like a focus group of some of the caregivers are help, helping us to write the, or give us the ideas. Again, a lot of it comes from the meet and greets and keeping them busy. I mean, in this world, if you, you know, they got to put, they got to pay their mortgage or their rent and their bills and everything else. So when they get off of caring for a particular client, it's incumbent on a company to have, you know, not too many and not too few caregivers so that when another client needs care, you can you can effectively staff them and not have them waiting forever. Right. With numbers like that, you must consider caregivers a big strength for your company. I know you've mentioned in the past that you even sacrifice profit margin in order to pay caregivers more. Now, a lot of people use profit margins as a measure of success. I'm curious how your company measures success. You know, profit is a measurement, it is a measuring stick, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And, and so, you know, we we outsource, we have a company that, a third-party company that does surveys to our clients and, and their families that are involved in, in the care, and, and that really drives our business decisions. So we'll get feedback and, you know, we're able to trend the data over time. So it can benchmark against the industry and it can, and really we find that we're competing with ourselves. And how do we improve in areas that it's survey questions or you know, we're scoring well, we're proud of, we worked hard on that. And then it drives the areas that we're, we want to improve. We, it tells us, I mean, how else can you, in my view, run a company without really knowing what your customers are saying, thinking and feeling and, and they share. And then we will follow up with them and we'll talk, but it really, for us, it gets to, okay, where are we going to focus based on where this data is trending of what our customers are telling us. Are we, do we need more, well, you know, we need to be more effective on nights and weekends or 
Is our phone not being answered quickly enough? Are the caregivers not dressed the right way? I mean, whatever it is that, you know, we have a lot of questions in the survey, but and that drives us. I mean, that, that'll help us to improve. So obviously you'll have happier clients when we do that. And I've spoken about the caregivers and happy, happy clients, happy caregivers. The profit sort of comes. It just sort of comes by doing all those things the right way. And then some of our profits will go to our foundation. So we have a our company, the Family Nursing Care Foundation, which helps low-income seniors that can't afford care to get care. We're not able to be the ones that provide the care, so we, we have to fund other entities or the companies that are able to do that. And also for nursing, you know, people that want to get their nursing assistant license and they can't afford to get their CNA license. And so that's part of also where our scholarship money goes. Obviously, as we've mentioned throughout the course of this conversation, you've been able to see a lot of growth and change throughout the industry being in it for so long. Did you ever expect to see the change that we have or is there anything that's surprised you? I don't know. I think every industry evolves. I wouldn't come here and sit here and say, what am I most surprised by? I mean, when we started in the late 60s and early 70s, and I heard stories about this because I wasn't, I was too young to be actually working here. But uh, the kind of care we were giving was much more companionship oriented. And, and now it's really, you know, most people do need help with those ADLs I mentioned, the bathing, dressing, toting, and, and they need more assistance. And part of that, and this is, speaks to the changing in the industry, is people used to be in the hospitals much, much longer and getting, and then either hospital or nursing home or home. And they didn't, now we have a lot more options, and which is wonderful, you know, with the continuing care retirement community, independent living, assisted living, the rehab facilities. I mean, it, it's great all the things that are available to people that need, you know, different types of care. So surprise is not the right word. I think it's smart and it's appropriate. And I can, I, I think that we're only going to get more, it's only going to improve because the baby boomers, when they get into their eighties and they're used to getting what they want to get, are going to continue to demand it. And so I think the progress has been great, and I look forward to much more progress for you know people that are in their 80s and 90s. One of the biggest changes we've seen recently is the expansion of Medicare Advantage to cover a range of in-home care services. Is that something that family and nursing care is pursuing or has its eyes on? I've looked into it, but I have decided just, re- just as early as back in January just to stay on the sidelines intentionally like a strategic decision, we've gotten a lot of answers, or I'd almost say non-answers, and it just feels to me that there's so much lack of clarity about what exactly does Medicare Advantage truly offer, how much does it offer, what's really covered, and I mean, not that I want to be late to the party or anything, but I don't think the party's really gotten started, so to speak. Like, There just needs to be a lot of kinks that need to get ironed out. And once that happens, I'm certainly keeping an open mind to it. But uh, at this point in time, I've, like I just said, I, I've decided to stay on the sidelines for now. Right. Last year, I know you guys closed on your second location after 50 years of operating out of just one office. So I'm sure that is keeping you very busy in 2019. Talk about what drove your decision to expand to a second location and any future growth plans that you have. Well, Many years ago, when I was finishing getting my MBA, my last thesis paper isn't the right word, but the last paper I wrote was about, in my company, what do I see the future to look like? And I 
envisioned by the time I was, I mean, back then, you know, we're going to expand minimally. I'm in Maryland, so Maryland, D.C. area, but we're going to expand minimally to the mid-Atlantic and who knows up and down the eastern seaboard. So that's sort of what I've always believed was going to happen. And what I didn't realize when I wrote this paper years ago was just how precious time is when you're an executive or, in my case, the CEO of a company. And so I had to make a strategic decision, which has worked out beautifully, where I had a lot of talent at my executive team. And I, my, my COO is now the president of the company and, and handling essentially the, the day-to-day and, for lack of a better term, I consult with him on a very regular basis, but it's also afforded me the time and the ability to 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 expand. And so, yes, we opened up a branch office just a few months ago, or the latter part of 2018, and um, we are very close to opening up another another branch office uh, within two within you know by late spring, early summer. So it's exciting, and I'm able to. And and what I what I love about it is I'm able to do it well. Like there's not there's a sometimes when you when companies or people spread themselves too thin, you you worry about you know the quality of what the experience is going to be like. But with these infrastructure changes I've made, it's allowed us to be able to not just expand, but to do it well with dedicated time and money and resources and effort that needs to make sure that 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 they do grow the way they need to go. I know your second location was just in the county next door. Where's that third that we can expect to see? So the third, so I don't know if people know the counties. Are they going <laughs> to, well, I'll say them, but I don't know if people around the country would know this. But So I'm in Montgomery County, Maryland is where our our headquarters are. We are in Howard County is where we expanded to, which is the next county over. And then the next county over sort of north of us is in Frederick County. And then we have plants. So that's coming soon. And then later in 2019, we're going to be going to yet another sort of contiguous county with us on the other side in Anne Arundel County. So we're going to, we're just intentionally going to grow closer to home at first. And eventually we'll make our way outside of the state of Maryland and DC and go in, well, DC is not a state, but outside of that area. And then we'll, we'll expand to other states eventually. And I know expansion often comes with challenges, growing pains. Wondering how that new location is going, getting it off the ground. Well, it's funny. Knowing that after doing something a certain way and growing to the size that we have, so we're $40 million revenue company in our area, just this one office. And so all the what to do, what not to do, the expertise. So we have the knowledge but then applying it where people don't know you and the caregivers don't know you and the professionals don't know you, even though it's only one county over. And intellectually, we knew this, but it's been initially it was much more of a challenge than I would have thought, even though I knew it was going to be a challenge. And yet, fortunately, it's kind of like you start to hit your stride and we're finally starting to to see things hit the flywheel, so to speak. And we're starting to penetrate in a way that, you know, it's going to be sustainable. So once referral source has a great, great experience, and then they have somebody else that they work with and says, you know, you should try these guys. I know they're new on the block. I mean, like any business, you have to sort of earn your keep as you go and you can't rest. Certainly can't. Well, we can't ever rest, but you can never rest on your laurels just of your name, especially in a place where they don't know your name <laughs> or they don't know it as well. Right. Now, aside from growing pains, what other challenges does your company deal with? 
Well, my concern, I don't know, I guess it's challenge, but as we as we have grown, so we, we're a, sort of a slow and steady wins the race kind of company. So if you, if anyone's to look at our profit and loss statements over the years, we almost to the percent, we, we eight, nine, 10%, very common. We just grow at that amount year in, year out, and you compound that over time, obviously it gets to be a bigger company. So the challenge is, as we grow, how do I keep our culture? It's so, you know, every company, well, we say the, the family nursing care way. I mean, how, do, how does a company go about doing it the way that they do it? And so my challenge is making sure that our fundamentals are strong, our guiding principles are still, in, you know, are felt by each and every person that works at our company as we, as we expand. And how are you doing that? Well, we incorporated something just this year out of that concern where we have a weekly fundamental. So we have, we sort of took our vision statement, our guiding principles, and we sort of pieced them out and said, okay, every week we have a stand-up meeting. It's just very quick. Everyone, wherever they're at, they're calling in, they're physically here, but, you know, for 10 minutes, starts right on time and ends 10 minutes later. And we give company announcements. And one of those things is just sharing what our, our fundamental is for the week. And so we have 23 different fundamentals. And so every 23 weeks, they start to get repetitive. I mean, it could be simple, something as simple as make cleaning a habit and, you know, keep your office space clean or make the, and others are, you know, how the caregivers are the backbone of the company. And, 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 but they're short and sweet intentionally, but it's just a constant drip, drip reminder. And so as opposed to having the plaque on the wall that looks pretty, but if it's just an ongoing weekly reminder, that, that's certainly one way where it feels to me that we'll be able to help keep our culture intact as we grow. Awesome. Now looking ahead towards that growth, what's the future of the company look like? What can we expect to see from you guys in the next 50 years? Will it remain in the family or any other news we can expect from you guys? It will remain in the family. I get uh, I get calls all the time to have my company be bought out, and I politely say I'm not interested. I do have four children, and it's sort of this, how do you pass it, a business from one generation to the next? We were able to do that successfully, and I know all the statistics say it gets harder and harder the more generations, but my intent is, is to keep it within the family business. And similar to what I said earlier, we'll just sort of philosophically just sort of gradually grow instead of opening up 10, you know, 10 places all in one year, we'll probably open up, you know, one or two, two or three, like, you know, that one to three new locations each year. And in 10 years, we'll have that many more locations. And then you add it up to 50 years and another generation, they may have a different mindset. So I, I can't answer what we'll be like in 50 years, but I have a pretty good crystal ball of what the next 10 years look like, which is probably, you know, let's say two, two locations a year. Awesome. Obviously, this podcast is called Disrupt, so we can't end without talking about disruption in the home care industry. How do you define it, and where does your organization fit in? So, disruption. I think the basics will always prevail. Caring, compassionate caregivers that are going to be helping clients and their families. So that, I don't think that will ever change. However, It'll be interesting if, I mean, I've read enough articles about it and I haven't seen where it's, it's made it to prime time so far, but robots 
there's been you know a lot of talk about a robot's going to be introduced in to the private duty home care space and is that the future or is that part of the future? I don't think it's going to be an end all be all. And so that could be considered a, a disruptor, if that's the right word. And just technology as a whole, uh, you know, it, this is where the lack of sophistication, in my view, we, we got to get the software companies that are the scheduling and accounting and all of our softwares that are in our space. The curve has got to go much better and faster and quicker and better. Just so the, I don't know how to say this, but the tech, the bells and whistles and what families are going to demand and does it link to their iPad or their iPhone, but not with a whole other app and a whole other, like just simple. Like it's got to be simple. And so there's still too many disconnects. So I don't know if it's a disruptor, but anyway, that's a that's a wish. But so perhaps robots. That's the only thing I can <laughs> really come up with because at the end of the day, you're going to have caregivers giving care to elderly people that need help with bathing and dressing and toileting and things of that nature. And that's what we do. How do you see robots potentially fitting into this space? Maybe reducing the number of caregiver visits required or streamlining other operations or services. I mean, or it could be an enhancement. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think there's going to, like anything, there's going to be a percentage of the population, I'm not sure how much, that will say, wow, that's so cool. I love it. It sounds neat. And, you know, you don't have to worry about the attitude that may come with <laughs> with, with somebody that, you, you know, you don't know come into your home. So I think my mind is open to it and I could see it. You know, would we also, in addition to if if that becomes make more mainstream, would we enter that space in addition to providing caregivers? Like, I don't think it needs to be an either or conversation. Okay, Neil, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you very much for for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Alrighty, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disrupt. For more news and insight on the home health, home care, and hospice industries, subscribe to our daily or weekly newsletters at homehealthcarenews.com. I'm Bailey Bryant, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network out of Chicago, Illinois.